Well, good morning, Hershey Free. Thank you so much for being here this morning. My name is Nick. I'm the pastor of student ministries here at the church, and we are so excited that you're here with us. Uh, We are continuing in our study in the book of Philippians that we started last week, and we're calling this series All In. And if you were here last week, Pastor George kicked us off, and, and he posed a question. He said, are we saying, what does it mean to be all in for Jesus, or, what are, we, or are we talking about being all in with Hershey Free? And he responded with, yes. Right? And here's the thing. What we need to understand is that when we are all in with Jesus, when we say, hey, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to be following you. You're going to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. When I am all in with you, part of being all in with Jesus means that we are a part and we are all in with a local church. In fact, if you look throughout scripture, you see that Jesus actually talks about the church as his bride. And he's like, in order to understand who I am, you have to be a part of my bride, to be a part of my family. And so as we're talking about what it means to be all in, we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be all in here at Hershey Free. Because if you look in the back two corners of our, of our sanctuary, you see banners hanging down that say, live, love, lead. And that is kind of our mission, our philosophy, our, our, our passion here at Hershey Free when it comes to how we engage. We believe that you have to live with Jesus. You love like Jesus and you lead others to do the same. And this morning, we're going to be diving back into the book of Philippians. And so if you have your Bibles with you, we will be in Philippians chapter 3. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you're looking for one, there's maybe one in the pew rack in front of you. Um, you can pull it up on an app or online, or we'll also have it on the screen. So don't worry if you, if you don't have one, it's okay. Um, but we are just going to be talking about this, this whole idea of what does it mean to live with Jesus. You see, because as followers of Jesus, we are called to be all in with him. We are called to live like him, to live with him. And it's interesting because the Apostle Paul, we'll see today, he's actually writing again to the Philippian church. And I I want us to understand that because here's the thing. Paul is writing to Christians. He's writing to people just like us. And he's saying, look, I'm going to help you understand what does this mean to live with Jesus? What does this mean to be all in for him? And so this morning, I just want you to hear the words that Paul has to say, and then we will dissect them, we'll look at them and go, okay, what does this actually mean for me? So if you would, follow along as I read for us from Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. In fact, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, to become more like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it. But one thing I do is forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. I press onward toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Again, as I said before, the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of people who are Christians. And he's saying, look, guys, like, I want you to understand. I want you to understand what it means 
to be all in, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to live with him on a daily basis. Because you see, I think in a lot of ways we, we get stuck sometimes. And I think the Apostle Paul sees that. He's like, hey, let me help you in understanding how to move forward in your relationship with him. And as the Apostle Paul is writing this, he, he talks a lot about himself and his own spiritual journey. And he's like, look, he's like, the gospel radically alters who you are. And if you're not familiar with the story of Paul, Paul started out as Saul. And Saul was the greatest persecutor the Christian church had ever known to date. Paul was this guy, he had been raised in a religious home. He was what they called a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the guy everybody wanted to be. He had the title, the esteem, he had all the finances he needed, and he was a great persecutor of the Christian church. But then if you fast forward in his life a little bit later, what happened is Paul is actually on a road, the road to Damascus, to go and persecute more Christians, and Paul has a radical confrontation with Jesus Christ on that road. And what happened in Paul's life in that moment, Paul went from being the persecutor to being the persecuted. Because in a radical confrontation with Jesus Christ, all of a sudden his life changed. And what Paul realized is this, is that when you are all in with Jesus, he changes who you are because you're his. And that's the framework for what Paul is saying here. When you, when you understand what Jesus has done, when you say, I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life, and God comes in and changes your life, it changes who you are because you are his. And if you don't know this yet, like, what happens, Jesus tells you, he's like, look, if you want to follow me, all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that I am your Lord and your mind. And then hold on tight because your life is going to be radically different. Jesus is saying, look, when you say I'm going to follow you and I'm going to be all in, buckle up. And see, what happens is at conversion, we were actually told that what happens is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, actually comes down and dwells within us. And that we are sealed by his spirit. We are told that when we say we are going to be all in with Jesus, Jesus goes, cool, I'm all in with you. So much so, here is my spirit. My spirit now lives in you, it resides in you, and he will guide your life. You are sealed for me. But I think, I think this is a, a, hard, a, a hard topic to comprehend sometimes. Because we're like, this is, this is kind of like high church language almost, Right? We're talking about sealing. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. I've never seen the Holy Spirit. I don't even know what sealing is. Is it like sealing? Like what are we talking about here, right? I want to show you guys a clip that I think really demonstrates what it looks like to be sealed by someone. So take a moment and watch this. Say there, lizard and stretchy dog. Let me show you something. It looks as though I've been accepted into your culture. Your chief, Andy, inscribed his name on me. Wow! With permanent ink, too! Well, I must get back to repairing my ship. If you've not seen Toy Story, I'm going to pray for you right now. Um, arguably, the Toy Story saga is one of the best film series ever created. And if you're not familiar with the series, um, spoiler alert, the toys can talk, okay? Um, but what happens is what you need to understand is that all the toys in the film that we have just seen, they all belong to a young boy named Andy. And Andy has a tradition that when you are one of his toys... He seals you by writing on your foot with a marker or a pen and putting his name, identifying you as Andy's toy. And in this moment, what just happened is Buzz Lightyear, the new toy, has just landed, right? He's just been brought in, and he's talking with Rex and with Slink, and he's like, hey, 
stretchy dog and dinosaur, looks like I've been accepted into your culture. And he shows them. And their response is, wow, permanent ink. Everything about the story, about Toy Story, is about these kids, these toys looking to get back to Andy, their kid. Everything they do is for Andy. Andy is their world. Andy is their identifier. Andy is the reason they do every single thing in this film. Folks, that is what Jesus does to us. And that is the way we should be living our lives. When we say we are all in with Jesus Christ, he seals us. We are his. Everything we do, say, and think, the way that people see us, should point them to Christ. They should see Jesus in everything we do, every say, everything we say. Our reactions and actions should demonstrate the power of the gospel. When we say we are all in with Jesus, he has sealed us. And because of that, the way we live should reflect him to the world. Just like those toys, when everybody saw them, all they would have to do is look at their foot to know whose they were. You see, the reason this happens is because we know who we are because of whose we are. We are Christ. And that should define how we live our lives. And that's what Paul is writing to the Philippian church about. He's saying, hey, let me help you in understanding what it looks like to live with Jesus on each day. And so what I want to do is I want to look at the text a little bit to see what this actually looks like. And I think the first thing that we understand if you look at verse 7 is this. In order to live with Jesus... You don't pursue what you used to run after. In order to live with Jesus, you don't pursue what you used to run after. I said earlier, when you, when, you, when you make that profession of faith and you're like, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life, God is going to do a 180 to your life. He's going to rock your world. Because what's going to happen is he's going to go, okay, it's all about me. It's all about me in your life. Everything you do, everything you say and think should be about me. And he goes, so you don't pursue what you used to run after. If your focus before was, you know what, what was getting promoted and becoming the owner of a company, that's not your focus anymore. Your focus is me. If before your focus was popularity and wanting to be liked by everybody, now your focus is on me. If your focus before was getting financial wealth, becoming the most popular kid in school, getting all the right grades, whatever it might have been, no longer is that your focus. Your focus is on me. He doesn't say any of those things are wrong. But here's the thing. You can't pursue pursue two things at once. He goes, you make your choice. If I'm going to be the Lord and Savior of your life, if I'm going to seal your heart, the world needs to know that you follow me. In fact, look at what verse 7 says. It says this. It goes, but whatever, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. If you look at the story of Paul, Paul had it all. Everything you could ever wanted. Everybody wanted to be him. He set the tone. He was the religious leader of religious leaders. And he lost it all for the sake of the gospel. And he goes, you know what? He goes, I wouldn't look back. The title, the finances, the popularity, I wouldn't want any of it. Because for me, what were gains are lost compared to Christ. Folks, when you've been sealed by God himself as his, there is nothing better on this world. Nothing. And Paul says just to the Philippians, just that. 
you are his. You are sealed. You are forever his, and that means you don't pursue what you used to run after. But the other part of it is, when we look at this text, if we keep going, beginning in verse 8, we see that everything means nothing without Christ. Everything means nothing without Christ. In fact, when we follow after Christ, all that stuff means nothing if he's not in it. Because here, here's the newsflash. The only reason we have things, the only reason there are great things that we get to enjoy in this world is because of God. And Paul goes, look, check this out. If you don't understand this, if you think that you have something, if you think that you did something, if you think you got yourself promoted, if you think you worked hard, it's only because of God. That is it. It's nothing that you did. It's what God did for you. And he says, you need to understand that everything is nothing if he's not in it. In fact, look at what verses 8 and 9 say here. It actually says this. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. And here, hear this. I consider them garbage, trash, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. That is a bold statement. To look at everything you have and go, that's garbage compared to Christ. Because the world says the exact opposite. The world says, no, no, get get what is yours. Get the wealth, get the acclaim, get the power. And we hear from Christ, no, get me. Because without me, that means nothing. And he's saying, look, you need to understand something here. You need to understand that without me, This is all meaningless. With me, you have purpose. Folks, what we need to understand this morning is in order to live with Jesus, it's not about saying, look at all I have. It's saying, look at all he's done. And Paul's writing to the Philippians because he gets it. He knows what it means for us as followers of Jesus. He knows it's hard sometimes and that we can lose focus. And he's like, you need to understand that everything you have means nothing without God. If you don't understand that all the blessings, all the stuff, all the titles, everything you have is from God, you are missing the point. It is all from him. But he takes it a step further. He goes, in fact, he goes, here's what you need to understand. You actually share in everything with Christ. Paul tells us very plain, uh, uh, plainly, he goes, you share in everything, the good and the hard. And I don't know about you guys, like what your um, conversion experience was like, um, if somebody shared the gospel with you, I don't know how it went for you. Um, I know when, I, when the gospel was shared with me, my dad told me about Jesus. He's like, hey, Nick, I want to explain to you what this means. Um, he's like, when, when you say you want to follow Jesus, make him the Lord of your life, that means he is it. Period. You follow after him, he's in control. You get to come into this church family. You have all these new family members because you have all these brothers and sisters in Christ that are part of your family now. Um, you get to be part of a really cool youth group. You go to heaven, you get to spend eternity with God. I'm like, sweet! That sounds awesome! Nowhere did anybody ever tell me, oh, by the way, when you follow Jesus, buckle up because it's going to be hard. No. And I think we've done a great disservice to people when we try to explain what it means to follow Jesus because usually it goes something like this, right? Hey, if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be A-OK. He's going to be the Lord, Savior of your life. The Holy Spirit can dwell in you, seal you. Awesome. You'll be part of a great church. Church free is awesome. Mm-hmm. Just saying, right? And when you get be a part of a great small group, um, and honestly, it's going to be great because you have these little babies in diapers floating around with harps. You have unicorns that are farting rainbows out above you. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> right? And we sit there and we're like, hey, yeah, that kind of was my conversion experience. That's weird. Never seen that. 
right? But here's the thing. If we are not explaining to people what it means to actually live with Jesus, to be all in with him, folks, we are missing that point. Because I am sorry, if somebody told you that following Jesus is going to be easy, that's not true. There will be times it is, and there will be times it is really hard. There are going to be times that you struggle, and there's going to be times you have victory. Because look at what Paul says in verses 10 through 11. He says this, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming more like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Folks, when we say we are all in with Jesus and we are going to live with him, we must understand that means in the good, the bad, and the in-between. We don't get to pick when we live with him. It is at all days, all moments, all hours, no matter what. We are always to live with him. He doesn't call us to simply live with him on a Sunday when life is good. He calls us to live with him for eternity, and he will carry us through the hard. The power of the gospel is this. It's not that it makes your life easier. It carries you through to see how great your Savior is so that you can experience life everlasting with him. And what we see is Paul is challenging us to think outside of our normal contextualized box of how we view Christianity. And he's saying, you need to understand, it's not that God died just for the good. God died for the hard to see you through it. So he sees us through the difficult, weird, the sharing everything with Christ. But we also need to understand that following Christ, living with Jesus each day, is a process, not an excuse. Living with Jesus is a process, not an excuse. And let me clarify that a little bit. I think we as Christians sometimes are very good at using our faith as an excuse. You ever have that happen to you? Maybe you're sitting there and you're, you're talking with a friend of yours like, I just can't love that person. They just, they just get under my skin. They're just not my type of people. I just, I can't, I can't love them. I know I'm supposed to, I just can't. And we use our faith as an excuse and we, we forget sometimes conveniently that when, when we say we're going to follow Jesus, that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit indwells us and that God is actually called, we are told that God is a definitive statement of what love is. And so what that means is the very spirit of love, the very definition of love resides in us. And for us to go, I can't love somebody when the very spirit of love lives in you is a, is a lie. And what we've done is we've just used our faith as an excuse. And he doesn't call us to an excuse. He calls us to a process to be more like God. I can think of it this way. Maybe it's Thanksgiving time. And you're like, I'm really excited for turkey, right? And you decide, I'm going to go to the supermarket. I'm going to pick up a turkey. And you go into the supermarket, and you're looking around, and you find that big old turkey, right? You know that 100-pound turkey that nobody else wants, right? And you pick that sucker up. You're you're showing off your, your muscles and everything. You feel real good about yourself. You walk through the supermarket, still carrying that turkey. It's probably frozen. You're probably getting frostbite. And you're walking, you're walking. You get up to the registers, and you conveniently avoid them. And you walk out. And the manager comes running, 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 and goes, you, you can't do that. That's stealing. You're like, no, no, I'm in process. It doesn't work that way. You can't do that. You go to jail. To use your faith as an excuse... For you not doing what God has called you to, folks, that is a dangerous place to be. We are in process. 
What that means is when there is somebody who is difficult to love, rather than going, I'm in process, I'm not going to love them. What we do instead is we go, I'm in process. I need to work on my heart to be more like Jesus so I can love them like Jesus loves them because he died for them too. That is what we need to understand. We are not called to make excuses. We're called to understand it is a process. Look at what Paul says in verse 12 here. He says this, not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. This is Paul, arguably one of the greatest missionaries known to mankind. The guy who wrote the bulk of the New Testament going, I suck at this. I'm in process too. Folks, it's not an excuse. It's a recognition that we are striving to be more and more like Christ each and every day. And if we are saying we are all in with Jesus, that means we are living with him in each moment of every day, meaning that we are taking the steps necessary to grow, to be more like him. That also means that we shape our lives around him. We shape our lives around him. Jesus didn't die on the cross for your Sunday. Jesus died on the cross for your life. And I think it's so easy for us sometimes as Christians to contextualize our faith to a day of the week or a time of day when we do our devotions, when we pray for our food, when we pray before bed, when we, when we are just spending time with our small group or at church, and we go, that's good. That's a checklist, not a relationship. Jesus calls us to a passionate relationship with him, not to a checklist of items that we do. He says, I want you to live with me. I want your life to be shaped by me. I want people to know who you are because of who you are. I want people to see Christ in you. I want people to be challenged because they see that you are living differently. That when they see you, they go, I see Jesus, I want that. And arguably the only way that people are going to see Jesus is if we are living with Jesus. Paul says this in verses 13 through 14. He says this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to to have taken a hold of it. But one thing I do know, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Everything we do, say, and think should be shaped by who Jesus Christ is and what he did for us. He didn't die for a day of the week. He died for your life. He sealed you because you are his. When people see you, they should know who you are because of whose you are. That doesn't mean that when people see you and they come up and you're like, hey, how's your day going? You go, well, on the first day, God created the heavens and the earth and he separated the expanse from the sea. Or if somebody comes up to you and they go, hey, how are you feeling? You're like, well, I'm going to do it in song. Let me tell you about a river of life that I have coming out of me. Right? That is not what I'm talking about. I am talking about a dynamic relationship that has radically impacted your life because the Savior of the world bled out for you on a cross to take your place so that you don't have to experience eternal separation or damnation so that you can live a life free of that guilt so that you can point others to him. That is what God calls us to. That is the life that people should see in us. They should see people who are passionately pursuing their Savior because he passionately pursued them. That is what the definitive quality of who we are that the world should be seeing. 
So in all of that, what does this actually look like in our lives? How do we actually see this play out? I think first is this, is that you spend quality time with Jesus. And here's what I mean by that. I've said this a couple times now. Jesus doesn't call us to just a day of the week or a moment throughout the the week when we are just doing our Bible studies or, or praying. He calls us to be in an ongoing relationship with him. People know that I'm in a relationship with my wife, Elise, because I wear one of these. And because I have ADD, whenever I have this on, which is all the time, um, and if I have a glass, I tend to clink it because I have a problem and I can't sit still. Okay, that's why I work with students. It's just it, right? And people know whose I am because of how I live it out. And one of my favorite things is since I've been here, um, Elise and I have actually made huge strides in saying, hey, you know what, we want to take a specific night of the week, Friday nights, and set up for date night. Period. Nothing's going to stop that. And the fun part is, like, a lot of the office staff now knows that, as well as our students here. And what I love is on Friday, Friday afternoons, as I'm getting ready to leave the office, I usually get stopped by two or three people. Hey, what's on the plan for date night tonight? I don't know if it's because they think I have really good ideas. I don't, I don't know if it's because I pick really good restaurants. I hope I do. I don't know. Um, side note, I, we went to Miso this past week. If you're curious what we did, we went to Miso for sushi on 22 in Harrisburg. Best sushi in the area. Dumplings are fantastic. Go to Miso. Closed on Mondays. Don't go. Um, I'm getting, like, I'm getting an extra paycheck. Don't worry. Um, but here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. They know that we are together. They know that for us, that Friday night is the definitive statement of what our week's going to be because we're going to spend time together intentionally. My favorite thing is when we're out on date night and I have students who come up and they're like, hey, it's so good. To- oh, it's date night. I'm sorry. And I'm like, I didn't put a gag order on it. You didn't talk to me about it. I don't care. I'm like, but just know that my priority specifically for this night is my wife. That Elise and I, we are intentional about spending that time with each other. Whether it's just going out for dinner, whether it's going for antiquing, reading a book together, whatever it may be, we are intentional about setting apart that time. And what I love is that people have gotten to know that. That people see that. Folks, the same should be true for our relationship with Christ. People should see our intentionality, how we spend time with him, how he is the sole focus of our relationship, that he is the the definition of everything else that we do in our lives. We should be understanding that we have to spend quality time with Jesus, not just quantity, not just going, I did Sunday, I did Wednesday, I did, no. It's not a checklist, it's a relationship. We have to spend quality time with our Savior because if we do, we're gonna grow to be more like him. Just like in any relationship, You grow to love and understand that person more by spending time with them. If you don't spend time with them, how are you going to get to know who they are? You have to spend quality time with him. I think you also need to be willing to grow and willing to be stretched. As followers of Jesus, we are not called to a life of of apathy or complacency. We are called to a life that is radical, changing, and growing. And I would assert that if you find yourself that you've hit that kind of spiritual plateau or you're just apathetic about your faith in Jesus Christ, I would argue that right now you need to get into the word of God and reassess where your relationship is with him. Because I would argue that one of the greatest killers of the Christian church today is apathy and complacency. Because the moment that we as Christians have become complacent in our faith is the moment that Satan has won. And the moment that we are willing to just sit on the sidelines and not actively engage in a relationship with our Savior is the moment that our faith has fallen. And we need to be very careful about that. And we need to be understanding that we must be growing. 
one of the saddest conversations I've ever had in my pastoral career was when I was talking with another pastor, I was seeking advice and wisdom, and I said, hey, how do you keep growing in what, you, what you're teaching and preaching? Like, what books do you read? What conferences do you go to? What podcasts do you listen to? And that person looked at me, and they said, Nick, we don't need to anymore. We have it all figured out. I, I cannot tell you the, the way that just crushed my soul. To hear a pastor, a man that I respected, utter those words. I sat there, I was like, well, you're sure not Jesus yet. We are called to be like Jesus, and folks, that is never going to happen this side of eternity. We are striving to be like him so we can meet with him in heaven and share in that together. You won't ever be perfect this side of humanity. You won't ever be perfect this side of eternity. You won't ever have it all figured out until you're seated with Christ on high. That means we need to keep growing and being stretched in our faith. And I would assert to you that if you find yourself as having hit that moment, that plateau of saying, I'm just kind of coasting, life is easy, it's not a problem, let me challenge you to pray a bold prayer this morning. To ask God to grow you and to ask God to stretch you and then buckle up. Because here's the thing. God will do it in ways and he will do it faster than you can blink. It's like when I have people who come up and they're like, hey, you know, I struggle with pride, so I'm going to pray for humility. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Are you prepared? Because it's not just that God's going to knock you down a few rungs. God's going to pull out that whole ladder. And he's going to show you what it means like to be humble just as he was humbled to the point of death on the cross. So I would challenge you, if you find yourself at that state where you're just kind of existing and you're going, I'm just coasting, let me encourage you to pray a bold prayer and to be prepared for God to move boldly. And then not to rely on yourself, but to rest in the Father who Paul has just told us walks us through both his resurrection and the suffering. Because God will carry you through it. Just rely on him. And then the last thing I would encourage you to do is to love others as Christ loves you. Part of living with Jesus means living it out. It means being Jesus to a culture that doesn't understand him. It means loving people even when it's not convenient. It means that when your small group friend calls you for the third time in a month to ask you to help them paint their house again because eggshell white one was too far off from eggshell white three and you need to do an eggshell white two and you're going, it's white, it is white. They're all white. Just leave it. Shouldn't have done white, should have done purple, I don't know. That instead of getting frustrated and pushing them to the side, you say, you know what? Jesus died for me. Jesus loved me. I need to love others. I need to die to self. I need to live with Jesus continually. Let me step in and let me love somebody and help them. It means when it gets difficult, you don't pull out, you dig in. We need to understand that when we live with Christ, we point others to Christ, and we do that by loving them as Christ loves us. And that's hard because people are messy. And people are broken. But when we live with Jesus, it radically changes who we are because of whose we are. And our lives will never be the same. So my question to you this morning is this. Will you live with Jesus as he wants to live with you? Folks, Jesus went all in for you to the point of death. And he defeated your death and your punishment to give you life everlasting. The question here is, are you going to be in with him to that same degree? Will you be all in with Jesus? 
Are you willing to step up to the plate and to say, I'm going to love even when it's hard. I'm going to dig in even when it's difficult. I'm going to grow. I'm going to be stretched. I'm willing to be challenged. This is who I am. Folks, you are sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. He has sealed not your foot, but your heart with his name, with his spirit. And he has called you to live a life that is radically different from anything you could ever know. And my hope is that when people see you, they see Jesus in you because of how we live it out. That they see that that no longer are these priorities yours, but Christ is your focus, and because of that, you are changed. As I was thinking through what this meant, what this looked like in our lives, I, I couldn't help but think of a story of a couple here at Hershey Free. This is a couple who went through an incredibly difficult time in their life just about a year and a half ago. And their Live Love League group came in and exactly loved them the way that Jesus loves them. And what their group did is they lived out to them what it means to live with Jesus. They said, hey, let us care for you, let us love you, let us point you to Christ and be there for you. And what I'm going to ask you to do is we're going to watch this video clip. And I just ask you, just, you see what God is doing to be sensitive to what he is calling you to do for maybe some changes that we need to make, how we can live more with him on each day. And then our worship team is going to lead us in the song and then we'll close out from there. So take a few moments and watch this video clip. I'm Kay Hyatt. And I'm Dave Hyatt. And we're the Hyatts. And 2018 started out with a bang. On the first, I started a new job with a pay increase, and five or six days later, Dave and I went to the um, went hiking for a weekend in the Grand Canyon. It was awesome. And five or six days after that, I discovered a lump in my breast, and that totally changed the course of the beginning of 2018. And about two weeks after that, I was told you have metastatic breast cancer. And it was a big deal, and our small group was right at our side. They jumped in the ring. As soon as um, we knew there was a problem, we started asking people to pray. Our small group came alongside us, and um, they prayed for us, but they also served us in um, just helping with meals so that my family didn't have to eat like a cancer patient. It was my birthday. I turned 50 in the middle of this chemotherapy, and so I felt like garbage. I felt seasick for four months, and so he asked me what I wanted to do, and I said, well, you know, I just, I really want my small group to just come and and for us to hang out together, because they don't care if I kind of flop over and just tune out, or if I don't eat very much, or... um, If I have to wear a hat, they don't care about any of that stuff. And um, it made me happy. Just their presence was comforting, and it made me happy to hear them be happy. That was a a big deal for me. We've been in our same small group, I think, for about six years. So just some remarkable people who have loved us really well. Um, They did things I didn't even think of. One guy was like, hey, I just want to wash your car. I just want to take it and get it detailed. But he took it, he got it detailed, he got it inspected, he changed the oil, put new tires on it. I was like just blown away. I just enjoyed walking with Jesus together with this community of believers. It was just nice to be together with everyone and not be thinking about myself for a change. To 
to be, you know, to remember that they were having lives and problems and um, things to pray about and things to do together and serve together and just helped me to get outside of myself, which just made the time go by so much better and faster. I mean, there were lots of years when there wasn't any sickness in our family and uh, our Live Love Lead group has just been so meaningful in those times, a time, you know, I'm a pastor here, but it's a, it's a time for me to not have on that pastor's hat, to just go and be with people who also are on a faith journey together, who are um, looking at God's word in community and just saying, what does this, uh, what does this practically mean for our, our daily lives and for our families, for our kids as we struggle with parenting, with marriage and um, work. And uh, so, yeah, that's been for me one of the great things about our Live Love Lead group and even before we ever uh, were in such a needy place. The cancer part of it was obviously a shock. And yeah, I mean, it was all the years before that that opened up the the closeness that we could share things. I just, I, I want everyone to have that group of people in their lives that they can fall back on.